So this week, I was thinking, what am I going to preach on at Billinge? And over the last few weeks, when I've been speaking at West Horton, we've been following through the Sermon on the Mount. So we've gone quite a few ways through it now. We're near the end, and we've been doing the Blessed Tsar. Do you know, my old dad, who's in glory now, he used to preach twice a day on a Sunday, morning and evening. Do you remember those days? Does anyone remember it? You used to have to go twice. In fact, I went three times because it was afternoon as well. But my dad would preach twice on a Sunday. But one thing he'd say, he said he would never preach the same word twice. He would always try and find a fresh word for the people of God. And if you speak, it's very easy to look in your bag and pull out a sermon and think, oh, I'll preach on that. But you know the key, if you preach or you speak, is to find God's heart for God's people in that place. So this, this Thursday morning, we were praying early morning at West Horton, and I was stomping up and down as I do, and I was saying, Lord, make us a pilgrim people. Make us a pilgrim people. And guess what? God dropped the word in my heart. That's what I want you to preach on in village, about being a pilgrim people. Being a pilgrim people. And if you want to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 84, it is a wonderful psalm of the Korahites, the sons of Korah. And I really believe that this is a word for here. I'll probably be speaking on some of this at Skelmersdale. I'm not contradicting what I've just said, but I do believe it's a word in season for this people. So Psalm 84, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. You know, Selah, I don't know if you know, means pause and think. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. 
I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For Yahweh, Lord God, is a sun and shield. The Lord Yahweh bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord Yahweh of hosts, Lord of heaven's armies, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Just bow your heads. Father, we thank you for your inspired, infallible, unchanging word. We pray that today this word will cut like a knife into our hearts this morning. It will comfort us. It will convict us. It will challenge us. It will confront us. But more than anything, it will change us to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, for all those who are in here this morning who just need a touch from you, I pray, Holy Spirit, you will do heart surgery this morning. You will come and have your way. Holy Spirit, you're the one who glorifies Jesus. And I pray above all things that, Lord Jesus, you'll be glorified this morning as we sit around your word. Speak to me as I speak, Father. We humble ourselves in your presence. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, if you've read this psalm before, it is a cracker, isn't it? But the one verse I want to pull out, if you like, for the hook for this morning, because I talked about being a pilgrim people, and really, you only get this sense in verse 6 from the New International Version. Any New International Version readers this morning? Not many? One or two? One or two? It used to be really popular. But it says in the NIV, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their heart on pilgrimage. This psalm is a wonderful psalm of journeying to Zion. Right? The great preacher, one of my historical heroes, C.H. Spurgeon said the following about this psalm. If the 23rd psalm, that's the Lord's my shepherd, you all know that one, you've heard it. If that's the most popular, if the 103rd, which is praise the Lord, O my soul, remember that one? If that's the most joyful, and the 119th, which is the longest one, all about the word of God and how you can live by it, if that's the most deeply experiential, and the 51st David's psalm of of repentance is the most plaintive. Psalm 84, says Spurgeon, this is one of the most sweet psalms of peace. So if you need peace this morning, maybe you need peace in a troubled heart, this psalm is for you because it's got everything in it. And Psalm 84 is a companion to Psalms 42 and 43. You know when it says, do you remember, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. All this same sentiment is in Psalm 84, which talks again 
about this, how lovely is your dwelling place, God? Are you in love with Jesus this morning? I know know you're listening intently, but have you got that same passion for God? Is he your all this morning? So this psalm, in fact the psalms, I want to encourage you if you don't do it, the psalms are probably the most, the best hymn book you can have. Because how many of you know they touch every area of your life? The psalms when you're in the toughest of places, the psalms when you say, where you're crying out, Lord, where are you? Why am I downcast? Again, that's Psalm 42. Why is my soul downcast within me? Hope in God, says the psalmist. Encourage yourself in the, Lord, in the word of God. I want to say to you, in your own personal time, get encouraging yourself in God's word. Whatever circumstance you face, use psalms such as these to get the fire going again in your heart if it's died down somewhat. And Psalm 84, if you look at the very top, it's always interesting to see who these are written to. So Psalm 84, does it say in your Bible, it's in mine, to the choir master. Is Colin Dixon in? Is he in? (laughs) He's somewhere. The choir master. There he is, I've seen him. But this is almost like the choir master of all. Who's the greatest choir master who invented music in the first place? God. He is, the, he is the inventor of praise and worship. And it says, according to the gittith. Does anyone know what a gittith is? A gittith sounds like something in Liverpool. <laughs> a gittith, believe it or not, was an instrument of gaff. Now, do you remember who came from gaff? Big guy, Goliath. So it's probably David's had something to do with this somewhere. It was something to do with an instrument that came from the Philistine neck of the woods, Gath. So you get to see what it, and it says then, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Anyone heard of the sons of Korah? Again, sounds slightly scouse. The sons of Korah. Well, the sons of Korah go way back into the time when Israel and Moses had been given the tabernacle, right? And the certain people had to carry all the equipment. How many people have been to Soul Survivor or anything like that? Or have you seen that wonderful marquee on the back lawn? They're a nightmare, aren't they, to put up? Is it just me who goes camping and makes a real pig's ear of it? And a wind comes when you're trying to assemble everything. Well, these guys are sons of Korah's. Korah were the carriers of all the articles inside the tabernacle. They had a very special job to do. Now, if you know anything about God's holiness in the old temple, in the old, in the old covenant, and how he viewed the tabernacle, do you remember the Holy of Holies and all that, and those special places where God's presence was around the Ark of the Covenant that represented his presence? These were the guys who carried it. And if you look in Numbers chapter 4, you'll see some of the restrictions they had. They couldn't even look at the articles. They had to just carry them. The Kohathite people. Now then, they were given a great privilege. But guess what? In Numbers 16, just to give you a bit of background. You know, Moses was this great man of God, wasn't he? God's man of power for the hour. He's the man, who, the deliverer, who brought them out of Egypt. That wonderful Exodus story. But Moses wasn't always like that. 
And if you read anything about him when he was brought up in Egypt, just a little background, he knew he was one of God's people, but he was in a foreign land in Egypt. But he had a sense, and he saw a bit of a dispute going on, do you remember? And he started to sort it out. Killed an Egyptian, and started to try and sort out two Israelites. And he said, you know, sort this out, boys. And they said, what did they say to him? Who made you ruler and judge? Who do you think you are? And if you know the story, Moses ran away. He thought, well, I'll try that ministry, Lark. Didn't work for me, I'm off. Went into the wilderness with a few sheep, spent many years there, and then one day as he's walking around, guess what happened? You know the story, a bush, as they always did, would catch fire, but this one was different. It burned on and on and on. And this burning bush caused him to look and see, what is it? God spoke to him out of the bush. He said, take off your shoes, Moses. You're standing on holy ground. And commissioned and called Moses to all that he had from the start of his life. So in this story of the, the sons of Korah in, in Numbers 16, the, the sons of Korah got a bit too big for the boots. And you can read the story about they said, Hang on a minute, you've gone too far, Moses. You've gone too far now. Who who gives you the right to exalt yourself? And Moses said, no, you've gone too far. And it's a sad story. And these people stood against God, and guess what happened? The ground opened, swallowed them up. Do not oppose the ways of God. His ways are perfect. His ways are holy. And we've got to follow them with all our hearts. So that is who this psalm is to. These are the carriers of the things of God. Are you a carrier of the presence of God? Are you carrying the presence of God on your life? I want to remind you, I want to, want to see if this word will stir you this morning. See, the Moses that spoke and ran into the desert was a very different man that spoke to the sons of Korah. Because when you know God's anointed you and called you, you can take great strength from it. See, God takes anointed leadership very seriously. I remember C.J. Mahaney. Anyone remember C.J. Mahaney at the Bible Weeks? He once said, he did a series in his church for many weeks on the people God kills in the Bible. (laughs) That's a scary series, isn't it? The people God killed in the Bible. People like Uzzah, who tried to, when the ark was on a cart, it should never have been on a cart, he tried to, tried to do the right thing, it cost him his life. Because of the holiness of God. Anias and Sapphira. See, oh, that was the old covenant, wasn't it? What about Anias and Sapphira? You know that story? Told a bit of a fib about the offering. It wasn't a good thing. And you know, in, in 1 Corinthians 11, those wonderful words we read in communion services, when we talk about how on the last night Jesus gave us these elements and we break bread and there's a bit of a prescribed thing about breaking bread in 1 Corinthians 11. But you know what Paul says? He says, don't break bread, discern the body. Make sure you're right before you break bread. Otherwise some of you are sick and some have died. It's the word of God. The holiness of God about his people He's serious about things. And he, I really believe, as a pioneer, a pioneer, pilgrim people, God wants to get his church back to the ways of holiness. 
He wants to, he wants to distinct people in the earth. So much of church today, or people, and I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm throwing condemnation here, I'm not, but I'm saying the church, in an effort in many ways to win the world, is becoming like the world. But God wants a distinct people. He wants a people who are marked out on his presence. A pilgrim people who are different. Every year I try to read, and it's old, very old book, The Pilgrim's Progress. Has anyone read that before? What a prophetic book. And I was reading this morning, early doors, about the town of vainglory and all these places that Pilgrim that, that it talks about and the place where Faithful lost his life. For the truth of God, there's, there's characters in that book. It was written in 1600 when, when Bunyan was in Bedford Jail. But the amount of insight in that book for you as Christians and the things it brings out that are prophetic about it cost Bunyan years in jail to live for Jesus. You see, pilgrim people are people of conviction. The people of the presence of God. Whatever this world will throw at us, do you know what? They'll never stop the truth of God. They'll never stop the truth of God in your life. They'll never stop the ways of God in your life. That was just the introduction. But this psalm, it's full of expectation. And if you look at it, look down at your, at your Bible or your phone now, and you can you see those sealers, can't you? The psalm actually breaks up into three kind of stanzas. It's like poetry is this, really. And there are three clear stanzas. stanzas. Can I say, did I say that right? <laughs> and I'd like to look at them quickly this morning. First one is one to four, the pilgrim's delight. The second stanza is verses five to eight, which is the pilgrim's desire. And the final one, if we have time, is the pilgrim's destiny, verses 9 to 12. So the first one is the pilgrim's delight, verses 1 to 4. Just look at the first verse, first couple of verses. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. This is about the home. This is about God being, you being in the, at home with God and God being at home with you. You know, whenever we read the Old Testament, it's really important that we read it through New Testament spectacles. So it's almost like we are people of the New Covenant now. This was the Old Covenant, this is pre-Christ. But the Christ is all the way through it. But you know what is amazing now? That at one time, the dwelling place of God was the tabernacle and then the temple. It was a physical building. Well, God doesn't live in physical buildings anymore. Do you know where he lives now? In us. He lives in you. He tabernacles with you. Do you remember when Jesus was born and it was said, Emmanuel, God with us. See, Jesus came. He took on flesh. He became one of us and he dwelt amongst us. He walked a perfect life and he died a perfect death for the sins of the world. 
As we worship this morning, this is not in the notes, but I felt something in my spirit for somebody in here. And I felt there's somebody who's, who you've been a Christian for a long time, but you struggle with assurance. You struggle to know that you're really in. Am I, am I okay? And I want to remind you something about what happened at the cross this morning. Jesus didn't just forgive you. That didn't, didn't just, it sounds, he didn't just forgive you, which he did. He forgave your sin, past, present, and future. But he also, through his death and resurrection, he imputed, that means he put into you his righteousness. Do you know that you have the righteousness of Christ in you? For all the mess you may have made, it's been cancelled at the cross. And you get the right, it's as if you have walked as Jesus walked. Now I am not saying to you now, oh, it's great, I'm righteous, I can do what I want. I'm forgiven. Hey, I'll just live how I want to live. I'll just forget it. No, 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 no. When you understand the cross, when you understand the atonement, the putting right, the justification of God to you. You know, it's a legal term. Justified, justification. And some preachers many times helpful. It's as just as if I had never sinned. And it's just as if you were always righteous. Let that sink into your heart. You know, for years I struggled with that. And I was brought up in a godly home. And I got saved every week. And when my dad preached with passion, I think, oh, I'm not a good week. I better get saved again. Anyone else felt like that? Been there? That was me. Until it suddenly dawned on me the grace of God means that all my sin has been paid for. And I get the righteousness of Christ. Why would I ever want to sin again? And I do sin. But I say, Lord, do you know what? Sorry, I messed up again, but thank you that I'm not relying on my performance. I'm relying on the finished work of Jesus. I wasn't going to say that, but that's for somebody, maybe more than one person. You're not just forgiven. You've been made righteous. But that'll change everything. The law that was on the wall, the Ten Commandments, we, well, we don't live with the law anymore. Oh, yes, we do live by the law. But the law's gone off the wall. It's gone into your heart. See, when you know Christ, you don't want to commit adultery. You don't want to lie. You don't want to cheat. You don't want to have any gods before him. The law's in your heart. I don't know why I said that. But there you go. Anyway, being at home with the Lord. How lovely is your dwelling place? Tozer, A.W. Tozer, wrote a wonderful classic book on this entitled Man, the Dwelling Place of God. So this, as we look down in these verses, talk about the dwelling place, the temple, the tabernacle. When you are a Christian, God dwells in you. But are you hungry for his presence? Are you delighting in God? 
Are you delighting in him? Are you at home with the Lord Jesus by the distraction, by the spirit? But there are many distractions. Anyone get distracted? Yeah. Um, I'm going to create a new, a new thing for Christians sometimes. Have you heard of BDD? Bible distraction? <laughs> just come to me then. We can get distracted. Is it just me or when you get your Bible? You think, I'm going to get with God now. And you get into the Bible, and then you start thinking, shall I have a coffee? I'm just going to put the kettle. What was that noise? Um, um, right. I'll just put that down a minute. Anyone else get distracted like that? There are distractions in our life all the time. But what are the distractions to our real delight in God? I'm going to name some. You might recognize them. Disappointment. Discouragement. Disillusionment. Discord. Now, do you know that word dis, D-I-S? Did you notice it's at the front of all those words? And all those words have a different meaning with them when that word isn't there. So appointment. So to have disappointment means the appointment didn't work out. Didn't happen how you thought it would. Maybe that's marred your delight. Discouragement. You see, the word encourage, do you know what that actually means in Greek? God in you. That's what it means. But discouragement is as if something, something of my courage, something of that passion has dissipated. Caused me to lose sight of my delight in God. Discord. When I was learning the guitar at 15 years of age, taught myself, Gosh, there was a lot of discord when I was playing. Anyone else know what I mean? Your fingers are killing. You're like playing. You think, gosh, I can't do this. It just sounds like an absolute fumble of noise. And then one day, as if by magic, I thought, oh, that actually worked. Because when you hear a chord, how it should be, it sounds just right. And you see, a chord is when strings of an instrument on a piano, whatever else, Play in harmony. But discord is when the, one of the strings is out of tune. Or it's snapped. Ever done that, Paul? Oh. <laughs> Nothing worse than snapping a string when you're worship leading. Or more than one in my case. <laughs> but discord, that can stop our delight in God. Disillusionment. Well, you know, that's quite a good thing sometimes. You think, oh, I'm disillusioned. No, it's actually good. See, illusion isn't real. Sometimes God has to remove the illusion so you can see the truth. Disagreement, another one. Disagreements can be worked out. Anyway, these things can be distractions to our delight. But look at verse 3. And the psalmist is saying, even the sparrow... Finds a home and a swallow a nest. What he's saying is, this place where really certain parts of the tabernacle, the priest could only go once a year. Well, the birds weren't like that. They could nest. 
They could nest wherever in the tabernacle or the temple. Have you ever had a nest of a, some kind of bird in your loft? You can't hear them when you're in the house at night. <laughs> but birds could get anywhere. But he was almost saying it must be wonderful to be like that. You can be in God's presence all the time. But I want to tell you as a new covenant Christian, you can be in the presence of God, not like a sparrow or a swallow, but any time. You can enjoy him. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That leads us right nicely into verse 5 and 8. The pilgrim's desires. Just an aside, by the way, before we do that. It says, blessed are those, look in verse 4, who dwell in your house. Can I just say something? God loves dwellers, not visitors. He loves dwellers, not visitors. Are you a visitor? Well, I'll just, I'll just turn up this morning. See how the Lord's doing. Give him some of my time. No. He wants you to dwell. He wants you to abide. What did Jesus say? Most precious chapters you can probably read in the New Testament before the crucifixion are John 14 to 17. It's called the Upper Room Discord. It's when, when Jesus began to share. He said, abide in me. Remain in me. Are you a dweller? That's where the power is. That's where the presence is. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Even for the greatest ideas we can have in church, the greatest projects, apart from me, you can do nothing. Unless the Lord builds the house, you're going to get very tired and it's going to be for nothing. Unless the Lord builds the house, you labor in vain. Remain in him. The pilgrim's desire. Blessed are those, verse 5, whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Where is your strength? You know, there's an amazing story. I'll be here all day if I'm not careful with my stories. A story in 1 Samuel 30. It's where David has messed up, really. And he's gone off to join the Philistines. Do you believe that? David, the guy who killed Goliath, he's having this tape the tape with Saul, who's after his life. And he says, do you know what? what I'm going to go and join the Philistines. He's going to get me one day. Do you remember when he let Saul off twice? One day, David thinks to himself, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, it's curtains, he's going to get me. I'll go and join the Philistines. So he goes and joins them, and he, they don't trust him. And they, but they gave him a town called Ziklag. Anyone heard of Ziklag? Mike's probably been there. But Ziklag, it sounds like something off Star Wars, doesn't it? When I first saw it, I thought, that's a funny name. 1 Samuel 30, read the story. They give him Ziklag, so he sets up camp in Ziklag, lets all the kids and all that play around. They go off doing their stuff with the Philistines. And anyway, the Philistines say, listen, pal, we don't trust you. Go home. So he goes home, and guess what? When he gets home, Ziklag has been ransacked. And those nasty people called the Amalekites have come and taken them all. Now David had a group of guys called his mighty men. Do you remember them? These were like the he-men of old. These were like, they were better than the SAS. 
And he had 30 and he had three. They were mighty men. They were his buddies. He brought them from nothing in that cave, the cave of Adullam. He made them men. They were, they were a mess. But he made them into men of God. But even they, when they got back to Ziklag, wanted to stone him. They wanted to stone David. His own men. And he said he got away. And he found his strength in God. Don't know what you're going through today. But it's your desire for God. See, the first thing about delighting, when you delight in God with all your heart, it doesn't, when it says delight in the Lord with all your heart and he'll give you the desires, it doesn't mean a Mercedes and a yacht. It means you'll change your desires. When you're in his presence, you might have been going to be the best, I don't know, the best IT person in the world, maybe the best architect, the best doctor, and all of a sudden, as you start to delight in God, something starts to happen in your heart. And you start to see the pearl of great price. And suddenly, everything else kind of fades back. Those things are great, but I've seen something. I'm going for it. It may be a small thing. But as you delight, your desires will change. And you'll find a strength. Pilgrimage. The heart of it all. We're on a journey, folks. We're on a journey in this church. We're not staying static. We're moving towards the purpose of God. He's got, he's got great things for this place. And beyond. And you're a part of it. We're not spectators or we're not just passengers on a bus. You've got a part to play. It's pilgrimage in your heart. Are you a pilgrim or are you a settler? It says there they pass through. Verse 6. As they go through. But it talks first about the highways to Zion. You know, this is a psalm of great expectation when they went to Jerusalem to celebrate the feasts. In whose hearts are the highways? Is the highway to heaven in your heart? But it says there, look, in verse 6, as they go through the valley of Baca. Now, Baca, it sounds like it's a, it sounds like, I was born in Liverpool, so I can say this. It sounds like it's a word to scousers, doesn't it? Baca is something, a little pouch that they smoke where I was born. But Baca here is not that. It's a valley of dryness. It's a valley of tears. Dryness, sadness, and tears. But look what the text says. As they... What? What is it? Go through or pass through. They make it a place of springs. You see, this isn't plain sailing down here. There are many twists and turns on this journey. There are many times when it seems like, where are you, Lord? I thought. You know, as you try and understand some things, you will not know the answer here. But I want to encourage you to delight in the Lord. And even in the valley, it can become 
a place of springs or fountains. And there's a promise here about the early rain. We'll cover it with pools. You know, when God comes in refreshing, and he will refresh you again. He wants to refresh his church again. But his church has got to be in a place to receive that. See, he won't give his glory to anyone else. He'll only give. God gives his glory for himself. That's not because he's vain. It's just because what he is. The heavens declare the glory of God. Glorify God in whatever situation you find yourself. Seek him and he'll refresh and strengthen you. Look what it says in verse 7. They go from strength to strength. You know, the, the sense, there's a sense, you may feel a weak Christian this morning, but I'm saying to you, you can go from strength to strength with each other. Be around people who'll do you good. Surround yourself with encouragers. Now, that's not just people who are going to pat you on the back. People who will tell you the truth. Sometimes there are things in our life we don't like them, and someone says, do you know what? That's not going to be too good for you. I'd stop if I was you. Who do you think you are? Who gives you the right to say that? Proverbs says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Think about that one. Think about that one. They go from strength to strength. 1 Corinthians 3 talks about the Christian is being changed from one degree of glory to another. Now that might not be the external. The grey hairs come in. Need these blooming glasses. You know, this bit's filling away, but inside, the inner person changed from glory to glory. And all this is by the Spirit. I want to encourage you. Keep your desire for God. Are you still with me? I'm going to finish now. The destiny of the pilgrim. We'll move on quickly. Verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Now, I'm not going to... I'm, I'm going to say something about life. In my bit more of a mixed-up past, when I was trying to sit on the fence as a Christian, anyone else done that? And they wanted to have a bit of a dangle in the world? I remember being in a nightclub in St. Helens. Yeah, me in a nightclub, can you believe it? And I'd actually had, I think, a couple of sherbets too many. I was on my own. I'd lost my friends. And I was walking around, and I, I was in this place, and it was loud. Do you know what the light? Well, you might not know what the light, but it was very loud. It was never really my bag. I always knew. It was almost like I always knew you shouldn't be here. And I was stood there in the crowd. And this is nowhere to lie, I tell you. This voice said, Jonathan Kent, what are you doing here? I looked around. No one there who I knew. 
No one there? Just trying to, you know what they're like? I was trying to bustle my way through. Jonathan Kent, what are you doing here? Now, I know this is talking about a place, the tabernacle or the temple. But the, the place out there, we've got to go and win people. We're not going to hide ourselves away from the world. We're going to reach them. But don't be like the world. Don't dwell in the place of wickedness. You know, you read about Sodom. You know Lot, Abraham's nephew? says he, he camped near Sodom. You can camp on the edge of, of Sodom, which was known for immorality. Camp on the edge. You start to camp on the edge. It won't be long before you're in the city. In his grace, God saved Lot out of that. Don't dwell in the tents of the wickedness. Finally, for the Lord is a sun and a shield. God is our light. He'll show you the way and he's your protection. No good thing. He bestowed those favour and honour. He'll bestow it on your life. Read the, read the stories of the great. Read the Joseph stories. Read the David stories. They went through the mill. But God bestowed favour and honour upon them. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. No good thing does he withhold. Do you know who holds us back from the things of God? We do. We were talking one day in a meeting, I remember, and we were thinking about, do you remember Bullseye? Sunday night? Do you remember the fellow, what was his name? Jim? Jim Bowen. And do you remember? They used to be so tight. Because the guy had to lose. And he'd say, this is what you could have had. <laughs> now, with respect, I don't want us to get to heaven. You'll never lose when you get to heaven. You trust the Lord. But I don't want you to get there. Says, this is what you could have had down there, you know. You could have had this. He'll wipe away every tear. You won't be sad about it, but you could have had this. And I want to encourage you. Go for all in God. No good thing. You might withhold some things. You might think, He's with God, I've asked for that. You've, you've held out on me. You've not answered me prayer. There'll be a reason. Because not everything that looks good is good. And he knows better. So trust him. Trust him. Oh, Lord of hosts, blessed or happy, or to be envied even, is the one who trusts in you. Let's just bow our heads. Father, I just pray this morning for your spirit to just highlight anything in our hearts and lives where we need to make some adjustments. I thank you that you love us infinitely. 
that we can never exhaust your love towards us. You loved us so much, Father, that you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come and die on the cross so that we could be forgiven, but as well that we could be made righteous. Father, would you let that sink in this morning into every heart? Lord, those who may not know you in this place, Holy Spirit, pull them in this morning. That that tug in your feeling, if you've never come under the gospel before, that sense of, this is right, is the Spirit of God in your heart. And I'm not going to embarrass you, but what I will do, I'm going to wait at the front at the end, I'd like you to come and speak to me. I'd love you to lead you to Jesus. Maybe you're not the pilgrim you were. And I just feel the Holy Spirit saying today, come on, pick it up again. Walk with me. Give me your all. Let me be your delight and your desire. Throw disillusionment, discouragement out of the window this morning. Maybe someone far from God this morning, or maybe you're just not where you were. Grace is here. Let's pray, Lord, if that's someone in here this morning, right now, Lord, will you just bring them to that place to repentance and recommitment. And for any of you who really need the Spirit again, Holy Spirit. In fact, Holy, we all need your Holy Spirit. Will you refresh and strengthen everyone in this place? Father, make us the pilgrim people because we want to be sold out for the purpose of God. You promise, Lord, that the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Amen.